0: Hey, we've been in a series on the roots and basics of our faith. faith. Everyone say, "Roots and Basics." Roots and basics. I love the name of the series because it gives us a visual for what it is that we're doing here. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Trinity. We've been talking about Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We've been talking about sin and, and the power, this, this poisonous power that has infected us as humanity, and we've talked about the salvation that Jesus single-handedly brought for us, how he has paid for our freedom. And then last week, Pastor Mateo talked about community and talked about how we aren't just Christians that follow Jesus by ourselves, but we do it together as the body of Christ. Now I want to talk about worship. Here's why I love the series name Roots and Basics, because roots do two things. Roots do this, that roots reveal who you are and the kind of quality of a person you're going to be. Think about a tree. If you have bad roots in a tree, you're going to have bad fruit. Bad roots lead to bad fruit. So it is with us. If our root system in the faith isn't deep, if it isn't anchored in something, then that ultimately is going to produce bad fruit in our lives. And make no mistake, brothers and sisters, the Christian life's not about behavior modification or just performing externally, but Don't be surprised if your root system reveals the kind of fruit you are living on the day today. But if we are rooted in the word of God and in the gospel, in the presence of God, guess what? The fruit of your life is going to look more like Jesus. So roots reveal who you are, but roots also do this. They anchor us in times of storms. Y'all know we've been having all this rain. Back in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where my family lives, they just had like, crazy, crazy windstorms, hail, like you name it. They literally have lost power for like a whole week. And uh, my older brother and sister also like had their tree next to their house like plopped down over uh, their fence. Uh, Things are a mess when trees aren't rooted deeply. (laughs) But how many of you know that in the Christian life, in the day-to-day life, we're like, A tree. The storms of life come for every single one of us. I know that every single person in this room has gone through storms, is going through a storm, and if you haven't done any of that yet, there are storms coming for you in your life. But the value of a good root system is that you are rooted and secure to the point where you will not be moved. And so life can look as frantic as possible, life can fall apart all around you, but if we are rooted and grounded in the gospel and the love of God, the roots and basics of our faith, we will make it through to the end. Everyone said, I need roots. roots. Everyone say, you need roots. roots. Everyone say, "We we need roots. So one of the roots now that we're going to talk about tonight is this, it's simply worship. The way I want to lay it out is really simple. I'm literally just going to ask three questions, and then we're just going to spend the rest of our time together in worship. Here are the three questions I want to ask, and you can even write these down if you want to. The first question is simple. What is worship? We won't go to that slide yet. What is worship? The second one is, why musical worship? We're going to make a little distinction there in a second. Why musical worship? And the third question is going to be, how do we go deeper in our worship? So Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you into this time. I pray that this would be more than information. God, I don't need more information. We don't need more information. (laughs) There's information everywhere. There's information on our phones. There's information at school. There's information everywhere we go. What we're asking for tonight, God, is is renovation. We're asking you to come into the deepest places of our heart, tear out the things that don't look like Jesus, and I pray that you begin to construct something new in us. God, I'm asking that you would give us deeper hunger and deeper desire to know God, to know the presence of God, to go deeper in our worship. God, I pray that transformation would happen tonight. We love you. We trust you. If you're ready to lean in with us tonight, Let's finish our prayer by saying, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so question number one, you can write this down. What is worship? Let's start with a simple definition right up here. I'm going to claim to you guys that worship is this. It's giving our life to the one who gave his life. Worship is giving our life to the one who gave his life. And here's where I get that definition from. Let's go to Romans 12.1. If you've been in student camp, you have heard this at least a dozen times in the last uh, two, three days. But we're gonna hit it one more time tonight. Maybe we'll do it more tomorrow. I don't know. But Romans 12.1 says this. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. This is your true and proper worship. So let's break this verse down a little bit. We see this, this first word, therefore. And what, uh, what this word is therefore is to remind us of everything that came before Romans 12, verse And I'll just catch you up real quick. If you've never read through Romans, I'm gonna give you the fastest version. Here's what Romans is all about. Romans is going through our journey that we were once dead, just like we were singing about, right? We were once dead and enslaved to sin, but God, being rich in mercy, decided not to send an angel, not to send just a prophet or a king. He sent himself. In fact, he gave himself by dying on the cross for every single one of us so that we would pass from death to life, so that we would know God personally and intimately for ourselves. That's what Romans is is laying out. He's laying out that the wages of sin was death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is setting up that, that we who once were far from God, God decided to respond by demonstrating his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ. Died for us. That's literally all of Romans 1 through 11 right there. There's a lot of beautiful poetry and detail in there, but that's like a synopsis. So now we come to this moment where Paul pivots. He says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for you, in view of God literally laying down his life for you, here's how we're going to respond. We're going to offer ourselves. Everyone say, Offer myself. We're offering ourselves as living sacrifices in response to God's mercy, not to get God's mercy, not to earn God's mercy, not to prove that we are worthy for God's mercy, because remember, he's talking to a people who were still sinners when Christ died for them. So it has nothing to do with what we as worshipers or as sons and daughters, servants, whatever you want to call it, it's nothing about what we can do, but our worship is a response to what God has done, which is giving himself. For us. So we, in response, give ourselves right back to him. Here's the beautiful thing about that definition. With that definition, that means our entire life is worship. Our entire life is worship. And I want to say this: worship isn't a Christian thing. Worship is a human. I'm sorry. Yeah, worship isn't a Christian thing. Worship is a human thing. Here's what I mean by that. Every single one of you in here worship something and worship someone. Every single one of us do. You may be like, no, I don't. I don't really like worship anything. Yes, you do. Every one of us here is giving our lives to something. If you're ever wondering, what what do I worship? Who do I worship? Is it God? Ask yourself the question, what do I spend the most of my time devoted to? What What about your thoughts? What are my thoughts most consumed with? Maybe it's yourself. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's something that you enjoy doing. Maybe it's a relationship that you really want to work out. Maybe it's a situation you need to pan out a certain way. All of us are giving our lives to something, to someone. And we can tell what that thing is that we worship by taking an internal look at what is, what is my time being devoted to? What are my thoughts going to? What are, what are my, where are my affections? Where is my devotion pointed to? And brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I often look internally and I, I assess my own life and say, "Oh my gosh, like God is not the answer to any of those questions." I have to repent and I have to turn back. Maybe you find yourself here asking yourself that question. Well, what has the most of my time and my affection, my worship? We all worship something, and our entire life is a response to the question, "Who do you worship? What will you?" Worship. Worship is giving our entire life to the one who gave his life for us. And so that means everything we do, everything we do is on the table to be worship unto the Lord. How many of you are serving at kid's camp next week? Let's go. That is worship unto the Lord because you're giving your time. You're giving of yourself sacrificially to love these, these kids who are oftentimes sweet and more often than not annoying. (laughs) This is a way of laying down our lives, giving our lives, saying, okay, Lord, this is for you. I gain nothing out of this, but Lord, this time that I'm giving is devoted to you. Or anytime we drop cash up here in the buckets, anytime we give our money or our time, that is worship unto the Lord. Anytime each and every one of you befriend the lonely kid at your school, that is worship unto the Lord. Anytime you give yourself In a way that is sacrificial just like the one who sacrificed everything for you that is your true and proper worship so we could go on and on about how worship is our entire life but i want to hone in now a little bit more on why musical worship why do we take so much time we we take you know 20 30 minutes every wednesday night on sunday mornings we do the same thing with junior high why musical worship why do, we, why do we make such a big deal out of all these instruments? Maybe if you're new here, you're like, why for the first 10 minutes was everyone just like jumping and yelling and, and like that dude and like the weird looking joggers is like going insane. I have three reasons why we do musical worship. I never want us to forget why we do worship this way. Because if we don't often define it or come back to why we do it, we're often just times just going to assume, oh, we do that because like. That's what church people do. Like they like sing and jump around, right? Or maybe you've gone to one of our main congregations here and you're like, oh, I guess that's what, that's what you do at, at church. Or maybe some of you think like, oh, we sing just to kind of hype ourselves up a little bit before the message, you know? Or maybe we're just trying to get our emotions rallied up. No, 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 none of those things are why we do musical worship. We're not trying to imitate the culture out there. We're not trying to entertain you. We're not trying to give you a Christian concert. There are three reasons why we do musical worship this specific expression of worship it's more than a song it's more than music but music is actually something that we see a lot in scripture the first reason why we do musical worship is that god chose to create music to reveal and glorify himself have you ever thought about that that like music isn't a necessity to life like in a way that like food water sleep you know like that's like a necessity to live <laughs> music isn't one of those things that means that God, literally, out of, out of just the free choice of his will, decided to create melody, to, to create our minds, our hearts, our ears, to be able to, to hear these songs, to hear, to hear a chord, to hear a harmony, and for somehow it, it, it moves us. Think about how music moves us emotionally. Have you guys ever seen those, uh, those YouTube videos where it's like a famous movie scene without the music? Have you guys ever seen one of those before? Those are so cringy, like, the moments of a movie that you thought were so cool. You take the music out, and it's actually really lame. Like, there's, like, one from, like, the original Star Wars movie where, like, the characters are, like, you know, walking down the the aisle, and it's without music, so it's literally just, you hear some coughing in there. You hear, like, the Wookiee, like, like, that kind of thing. It's so weird and so awkward. Or think about, like, the moment where, like, Sam carries Frodo up the mountain. Can you imagine? It's like, I can carry you. Like, that would just be so lame, but it's the music that erupts that you're like, yeah! Like, that's, that's, what, that's what music does. Music moves us, and guys, guess what? God created it that way. He created music to move us in a certain way. So if you've ever been in a worship service here before, and, and a song has met you, a song has moved you in any way, guess what, that's not us trying to, like, manipulate you into, like, Uh, like into loving Jesus, no, like that's just God doing what he does best, which is wiring our hearts to respond to him. That's how God created us, that's why he created music, to reveal himself, to, to glorify himself. Another reason why God made music is because music sticks with us. Let me prove it. Twinkle, twinkle. Now has anyone like been like listening to that song on repeat recently? Okay, two, three, four of us. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Most of us haven't heard that song in a year, but guess what? You heard this song, this melody, these lyrics as a kid, and it stuck with you all the way till now. Everyone finish this. Jesus loves me. Now, last time I checked, last time I checked... Maverick City ain't been singing that song recently. Elevation hasn't been singing that song recently. New Life hasn't been singing that song recently. Like, we haven't heard this song recently, but guess what? We heard it as a kid. We heard it as kids, and because of the way that God wired us, we still remember that song. It's it's deep inside of us, and that is why God created us. Music. Why? Because music, and specifically even worship music, is literally shaping our theology. I don't know about you guys. You can be real honest here for a second. How many of you remember like word for word, point for point, more than like three sermons? Anyone? I know I don't, (laughs) and I think the majority of us don't, which is really humbling, because I'm like giving a teaching on worship, and I realize that. Probably next week, none of you will remember a thing I say, so that's okay, though. That's okay, because God created music for that reason, because it's something that is memorable to us, and you know what sticks in our memory now is the songs that we've been singing. Even in our high school years, our junior high years, our elementary school years, the earliest memories we have, we have these songs, that share the beauty of who God is. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. You called my name. I read, I... <laughs> We are, I just can't wait when that song is like a hundred years old. We're all gonna be like old grannies and stuff with like a wheelchair. I ran, I ran. <laughs> Luke Schaefer, at least. At least Luke Schaefer will be doing that for sure. This man's gonna have his walker. I ran out of that <laughs> Safe, I'm sorry. I wasn't planning on saying that, bro. That literally just came to me. <laughs> this is why God created music. Because these truths about who God is. My theology, absolutely, it was shaped by church and, and the Bible and mentors. But you know what has shaped my theology more than anything? Has been the songs that I grew up singing here at this church knowing that the Lord is able and he is faithful and that he's higher than the mountains that I face. He's on the throne, he's glorious, victorious, sovereign over all. I remember these songs that I grew up singing that shaped my theology of God, that where there is no way, he makes a way. I remember these songs because God created music to reveal himself, to open our eyes, to see who he is, and so that he could glorify himself. That's the first reason why we do musical worship. The second reason why we do musical worship is this, is that God desires musical worship. God desires musical worship. This isn't something that we thought would be a good idea. And I want to prove this to you guys. Are you guys cool if I nerd out with you for like three minutes? Hold up the three. Okay, cool. I never get to do this. I'm literally about to like just go through like the fastest overview of what the Bible talks about in terms of worship music. I am so nerdy about this. I love this. But I'm going to go really fast. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, this is the one time I'm going to say this. If you're like remotely interested in what I'm about to say, feel free to grab your phone and open your camera. Because I'm going to like whip through some slides really quick. And I'm going to like show you a bunch of scripture references that show us why we do what we do in worship. Because none of these things we're doing because Victor Mendoza thought it was a good idea. Or all the big youth groups do this. No, no, no. Everything we do music-wise, has a reason scripturally. So let's, let's go through thing by thing. Okay, let's, let's start with singing. Singing is, is fundamental, right? Did you guys know that there are, are over 400 references to singing in the Bible? And out of those 400 references, 50 are commands. Not like, hey, sing if you feel like it. Sing if you're like a good singer. Hey, sing if you're like a little more emotional than the average, no, no, no. It's just commands for people to sing. And I wish I could just go through every single example and instance, but I got no time for that. So that's the singing. Okay, let's go to clapping. Everyone clap once. Pull up Pastor Mateo. If you can hear me, clap seven times. So many extras. All right, everyone read Psalm 47, one through two with me. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord, most high, the great king over all the earth. Notice how verse 1 says, clap your hands, all you nations. Doesn't mean like if you are more like the western hemisphere, clap your hands. Or if you're in like a little bit more of like a chill nation, then you can clap your hands, all nations. How many of y'all know we live in a nation? Great, that means during worship, we have the freedom and even the command from scripture To clap our hands so when we're out here see what our savior has done this is biblical what we're doing right here all right you can stop that's crazy okay that's singing that's clapping let's talk about dancing pull out your phones pull out your phones and check this out look at all of these examples in scripture these are just a few of them these aren't even all of them look at these examples of dancing in the bible like exodus fifteen twenty, the first song we ever see in scripture literally the the israelites cross the red sea the egyptians try to follow them they get uh drowned and so the people of god are free and they literally start breaking out into song And it's the first song we have recorded in scripture but they don't like cross the red sea and they're not like thank you lord for saving our lives Let's take a moment in quiet contemplation. No, it's like they are like freaking going for it, man. Like the way we were just going for it for 10 minutes. Imagine if your life was just saved. By the way, it was saved from sin and death. And that's why we're going crazy like that. These are just more examples. I could go into it longer, but if you want to know more examples of dancing in the Bible and like, okay, is it like biblical that we be like jumping and going crazy like that? Look up these scriptures and tell me that it's not biblical that we do that. Okay, the next one, new songs. New songs. We just introduced a new song that that Teddy and Team Arts wrote, and we got to sing it last week. We sang it again this week. Why do we keep doing new songs? We're going to do new songs next week that we're going to be doing at Desperation Conference. Super pumped. It's going to be awesome. Why do we keep doing new songs? It's because Scripture literally... Is calling for it God in his word is calling for new songs to be sung so take a picture if you're like why do we do new songs like why don't we just like stick to the psalms or why don't we like stick to the hymns or anything like that I don't know one person under 20 that's asking for more hymns but if that's you that's great that's great we try to throw some old school songs in there these are all the scripture references about new songs okay instruments believe it or not some churches get really feisty about this one some people think it like should just be an organ or just singing, you know, stuff like that. But what we see in all of these scripture references is the power of music like we were just talking about, but even specifically when God in his word calls out commands to like, hey, bring out the harps and bring out the lyre and bring out the timbrels. And now we don't use any of those, but we've contextualized it to the stuff that like we actually use like today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't think anyone, does anyone play the harp in here? Okay, well, cool. You can audition for the worship team if you want to pick it up. That'd be Awesome. That'd be awesome. But instruments, it's all over the place. And we see the power in music. Like 1 Samuel 16 is when King Saul is like literally tormented by evil spirits. And here comes David. Not just like, hey, Saul, see that you're struggling. Uh, Let me sing you a song. Uh, You called my name and I ran out of that. That's not what happens. But David literally, without saying a word, without singing a thing, literally just plays over Saul. And and scripture literally says that like the evil departed, it fleed from Saul. You can't tell me and you can't convince me that there is no power in what these musicians right here, what Braden Sheesby does week after week on the electric guitar, you know what I'm talking about, or what, what Teddy be doing on the bass, like you can't tell me there's, there's no power in this kind of music. So that's instruments and then volume. Volume, okay, this, this is a funny one. Some of you get really annoyed with how loud it is in here. I've literally had some of you come up or you tell a leader and then the leader comes up to me and tells me about the volume. Let me just tell you real quick two things. One, God actually calls for volume in his word. If you don't believe me, look up these scripture references. It's talking about praising the Lord and he compares it to like the sound of like thunder. Y'all like, you no, know, like a two, three days ago, remember that thunder that was like freaking like loud, shaking the house? Like, I don't know about y'all, but Prem and I in Monument, we were like, like literally... Preem was so cute, too. She got, like, still, like, a little bit, she still gets, like, a little nervous with thunderstorms. She's like, baby, I love thunderstorms. She's just, like, hugs. Girl, how old are you? 25? Okay, okay. All right. But, like, that kind of volume, God literally calls for his praise and his worship to sound as loud as that. It's crazy, it's crazy. That's the first thing we gotta know, and if you don't believe me, look up those guys right there. Secondly, um, I do just wanna say this, for all the people in this room, for anyone listening on this podcast, the three of you that listen to this podcast, just know like, we have systems and metrics in place that will never like, damage your hearing. Like, we know the decibels that are like, safe for you and we'll never like, exceed those because we love your hearing more than like, loud music. So I just want you guys to know that like, we actually do, Parker, am I right? We do have systems and metrics. There we go, there we go. So may your mind be at ease. We will never hurt your hearing. We will never go in a place that's dangerous for you. But we are going to give it volume. Why? Because God desires it. Okay, so those are, those are all of the things that we do every week. Why? Because God desires musical worship. Okay, number three. Then I'm going I'm to stop being a nerd now. The reason why musical worship, why do we do this? Why do we do this? It's because songs strengthen the church. Songs strengthen The body of Christ. We have two examples of this in the New Testament. Let's pull up Ephesians 5 real quick. Pull up Ephesians 5. Paul says, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next slide. Colossians 3:16 Paul says let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms hymns and songs from in the spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts what does that word admonish mean it literally means to like to strengthen to encourage so Paul is literally calling the church hey encourage one another and strengthen one another not in like a motivational speech but through psalms hymns and spiritual songs songs strengthen Church, If you've been at New Life for a long time, you know it's embedded in our history that it was singing that got us through dark moments here in the church. When there was a scandal, when there was a shooting, we came together as the body of Christ, thousands of us in that living room right over there. And we sang together and we sang our way into freedom. We sang our way into deliverance. We sang our way into breakthrough. Not because we're so awesome, but God literally uses songs to strengthen his church so that they can run the race till the end. Here's what I know even in this room, the songs have strengthened your walk with the Lord. If I asked for a show of hands, I know so many hands would go up. If I asked the question, name one moment when when worship, when singing like strengthened you, when you came on a Wednesday night or at desperation conference, wherever you were and you began to sing to the Lord, I guarantee so many of us would raise our hands and would have stories and testimonies of how God used singing to strengthen us. We were going through suffering, we were going through darkness, we were going through some of the hardest seasons of our lives, and it wasn't a motivational talk. (laughs) It, It wasn't like good habits. It was worship. It was musical worship that brought you through. That's the key and that's the the case for so many of us. So that is why we do musical worship. Those are the three reasons. Because God chose to create music to reveal and glorify himself. Because God desires musical worship. And because songs strengthen the church. Let me wrap up with this last question. So how do we go deeper? Hopefully I've sold you on the fact that like worship and musical worship is a biblical thing. But like I said last week, I I believe God is calling us deeper into our relationship with him, into our walk with him. So for those of you who are ready to go deeper, I'm going to offer three things about worship really quickly, and we're going to wrap up. First of all, worship is a response based on revelation. You can write that down. Worship is a response based on revelation. What do I mean by that? I mean, keep let's always keep our worship about God. It's not about the songs. It's not about the music. It's not about your feelings. Our worship is a response based on revelation. Remember Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Meaning in view of who God is and what God has done, Offer yourself, offer your heart, offer your song. (laughs) I'm convinced of this. This is something I've been convicted of a lot recently in the last few months, is that a small view of God will lead to small worship. I've been following Jesus for over 10 years now and even after 10 years, I'm often hit with conviction of just how little I know about God. And there's times and there's moments, to be honest with you guys, where I'm, where I'm singing the songs or I'm, I'm opening the scriptures or I'm hearing the messages and it kind of just falls flat. Has anyone ever been there before where it's just like, gosh, like this, doesn't, this isn't hitting me like it used to or it doesn't feel as real as it used to. You know what I've found to be true is that usually when that starts to happen to me, that's God inviting me deeper. That's not God punishing me. That's not God like hiding himself from me. That's, that's God saying, hey, I want to call you off the surface and I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you deeper into relationship with me. And here's why, because he knows that if we have a small view of him, then our worship to him is just going to be small. Ever found yourself in worship when it's like, all right, we're not going to sing any words, the words on the screen, sing your own song to the Lord. And you're like, okay, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I have, n- but think about it. That's like, that's like, uh, I don't, who, who's here, who here has never met me before? Who here has like never met me before? Okay, okay, I, I, like, I like that right here. So this dude in the white hat right here, okay, so I've never met you before. What's your name? Oh, okay, what's your name? Okay, I just need one of you to go. All right, skipped. Who else have I not met before? What's your name? Con- oh, Connor Smith, okay, first and last name. That's like one of you telling me, hey, Victor, tell me all about Connor Smith, and I'd be like, well, he he has brown hair, and he has a nose, and two eyes, and he also has two ears. I see, uh, and he seems like a nice guy. Uh, like that, that would that's sometimes like us in our worship to God. Why? Because we have a small view of God. Why? Because we don't actually know God that well. And if we don't know God that well, how can we worship Him? How can we go deeper in our worship? A small view of God leads to small worship. But here's the prayer and here's the invitation. For any of you here who's like, Pastor Victor, like, I don't want that to be the case. I want to know God deeper than I've ever known him. Here's the invitation. Ask God. Ask God to send you the Holy Spirit, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, to know him more. That prayer comes from Ephesians 1, from a guy named Paul. And here's the thing about Paul. Paul was this religious Pharisee. Paul was this religious Pharisee that was so religious that he was persecuting the Christians. He was killing Christians as fast as he could, but it took just one encounter with Jesus that changed it all. He literally sees Jesus face to face. He has this vision, and in that moment, Saul becomes Paul. And Paul begins to give his entire life to Jesus to the point where now he's no longer persecuting the church, he is being persecuted. He's giving his life away to Jesus so much to the point where we see in Philippians 3 where he says, I count all things as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. What he's saying is the things that used to be important to me, I now count as loss for the sake of having relationship with Jesus? What would it look like for us to have that hunger and that deep desire tonight to know Jesus? And here's what I know. Anyone who asks, anyone who seeks, they will find. Jesus isn't hiding from us tonight. For anyone here in this room who wants to know him more deeply, guess what? He wants you to know him more deeply. And he's going to meet you here tonight. It's what he does. Secondly, worship is a choice based on conviction. What that means is that worship is gonna be costly. In fact, the first time that the word worship is used in the Bible, it's in reference to sacrifice. Very first time, it's actually when God asks Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Now, if you keep reading on the story, that actually doesn't happen, where God actually spares Isaac and that doesn't happen. But what God was getting at was saying, hey, Abraham, the promise that I gave you, the thing you've been waiting years and years and years for, the thing that has like your heart and your affection, the thing, there's this precious gift in your hands, I'm asking you to give that to me. I'm asking you to sacrifice. I'm asking you to lay it down. The very first time the word worship is used, is in that moment. Why? Because worship is a choice that's based on conviction. Can you imagine Abraham saying, God, I don't know why you would ask me to lay this down. I love this baby. God, I, I love this gift that you gave me. Why are you asking me to lay this down? But Abraham knows worship to the Lord is costly. And he follows through in obedience and thanks be to God, and Isaac lives, and everything's fine. <laughs> all is well. God is good. God is faithful. But here's the reality, friends, is that we live in a world that is so bent on consumerism, that is so bent on let's keep everything convenient and comfortable, easy, efficient for us, that we've oftentimes forgotten about the fact that worship was meant to be costly and sacrificial. But I see people in this room differently. I see the men and women in this room learning what it means to worship God in a way that is costly because brothers and sisters, I get it. I know as you guys walk into these doors, you guys are carrying a lot. So many of you carry weights and burdens that you don't talk to other people about. So many of you carry fear and lies from the enemy inside your head. So many of you carry insecurities and, and just carry in this, this, this longing just to belong here. Like we carry a lot with us in this room and I know that's not easy. I don't know what all of your home life is like. I don't know what your day-to-day looks like but I know that we walk into this place with heavy burdens. But the reason why even up here on the worship team we'll say, hey, whether you feel it or not, Sing. Or we'll sing, I choose to praise, to glorify the name above all names. When we start really pushing you to, hey, engage. Hey, lift your hands. Like, hey, sing out. Hey, get on your knees. It's not because we're insensitive to what's going on in your life. But what we're trying to push all of us together into is saying, worship is a choice based on conviction in view of God's mercy. That doesn't mean that what you're going through isn't real, but what we're saying is that there is something more real and more powerful that we're asking you to fix your eyes on that will bring hope, that will bring deliverance, that will bring freedom if you would only turn your eyes from this to Him. That's why we push it. That's why we push worship as a conviction. I envision this room full, just like it is tonight, of worshipers who don't need a worship leader to tell them to sing, to dance, to lift their hands, to get on their knees, to clap. Because we're gonna be so captivated by who God is and we've made a choice based on conviction to worship him because of who he is, because what he's done. All right, worship team, come on back up. Come on up. One more, write this down. Worship is a weapon of warfare. This is the last thing. Worship is a weapon of warfare. When we worship, we exercise this thing some of us around here call holy defiance. Holy defiance. We see this all over scripture. Y'all know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They're in this place, surrounded by these people and the command is when the trumpet blows, everyone get down on your knees and worship this statue. And as you know, the trumpet blows everyone around them just trying to fit in, just trying to survive, just trying to get by, just trying not to ruffle any feathers. Everyone bows their knee except for three men. And in an act of holy defiance, they say we will not bow our knee to that statue because our worship belongs to one. And it is not that statue and God comes through and he delivers them from the fiery furnace. Worship is a weapon of warfare against the idolatry that is all over our culture, right? Think about all of the idolatry that's out there. They may not be golden statues, but guess what? It can definitely be money. It can definitely be success. It can definitely be trying to fit in. It can definitely be popularity, the idols of maybe even self. Maybe the idol you carry with you today is just yourself. Maybe you are your own idol. I know oftentimes I am my own idol. (laughs) But worship, when we worship, we are waging war against the idolatry of this time. Think about another story of Jehoshaphat surrounded, him and his army surrounded, they're outnumbered, they're overwhelmed. And God tells Jehoshaphat in that moment, send out the singers, send out the worshipers. And as the worshipers go out and sing, of course, we just sang, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. As these singers begin to sing that, the enemies that surrounded them begin to turn on each other. Worship is a weapon of warfare against the enemy who's trying to surround us and overwhelm us with lies, deception, fear, anxiety. As the fear consumes our minds, he is our song in that moment. And anxiety bows to what is true when we fix our eyes on him. Worship is a weapon of warfare against the enemy's attempts to surround us and overwhelm us. Worship is a weapon of warfare (laughs) against our own pride. (laughs) Worship is a weapon of warfare against our own flesh that wants to be our own God. Maybe tonight for us just to go deeper in our worship is actually waging war against our own pride. by saying, I wanna be God of my own life. I wanna be in control. I don't wanna submit to God. You know, I wanna impress my friends or I wanna bow my knee to the idols of this age or man, I just feel so overwhelmed by my anxiety or my situation or my circumstances or these relationships or this thing that's not going right. I'm so overwhelmed by that that it actually cripples us from even worshiping. Maybe going deeper in worship for you tonight is to simply say no. (laughs) I'm going to step in with holy defiance. and I'm not going to fix my eyes on all of this. I fix my eyes on Jesus. So if that's you tonight, if you're ready to go deeper in your worship, if you're saying, hey, you know what? I I want to know God more. I'm tired of having a small view of God. I want him to open my eyes and I want to know him deeper. I want to invite you to stand up and come forward. If you're in this room tonight and you're saying, hey, worship, it's it's become convenient for me. It's no longer costly. It's no longer a sacrifice. I'm ready to, even maybe in a moment or situation you're in right now where it's costly to say yes, but you're in the moment and saying, I want to choose to worship tonight. I'm going to invite you to stand up and come forward. And if you're here in this room tonight and you're saying, man, I've got, there's idols in my life. Or the idol is me. Or I feel surrounded and swarmed by the enemy, just like Jehoshaphat. I'm surrounded. I don't know what to do, but I want to fix my eyes on Jesus and I want to go deeper in my worship. If that's you in any of those three ways, I'm asking you to stand up and I'm asking you to come forward right now. Who wants to lead the way? Yeah, let's go. We're going to worship tonight. We're gonna to worship tonight. No one talking. For the next 20 minutes, we're just gonna worship. We're not gonna say a whole bunch of words, we're just going to fix our eyes on the Lord, and we're just gonna to sing to Him, in the way that He desires, in the way that He created us to worship. So you guys, everyone look at me in the eyes. You now are the worship leaders in here. We're not gonna tell you to lift your hands or to jump or to go for it. I want you all just to fix your eyes on the Lord and worship from that deep place, that response based on revelation, that choice based on conviction. Let's raise our voices tonight as a weapon of warfare against the enemy. Come on, let's worship.